So tonight, Luke chapter 20, um, and I've, I've moved the, the evening service series to the morning. We, I've swapped it. I started a new series in the morning on spiritual gifts, but I do think that uh, the series in Luke is going to be a blessing to you, I trust and pray. And I'm just going to look at the first verse in Luke 20, although it says 1 to 8, this is actually just part, part 1 of Luke 20, verse 1 to 8. And the theme you have on the screen behind me, and that is the discomforting, the discomforting authority of Jesus Christ. The ongemakkelijke gezag van Jesus Christus. Because some people don't like it. Let's pray and then we'll hear the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of your Son, Jesus, and we pray that you will speak with us tonight and you will give us strength to, for me to speak and for us to hear and for us to obey and bow the knee before the Lord Jesus, your Son, and obey Christ as the Lord of the universe, the Lord of glory. Please open our minds and give us understanding as we hear these words and we hear the gospel of Jesus proclaimed. Again, I don't know for the how many of time, but I know it must be in, in the hundreds of thousands, maybe into the millions, of, you know, probably into the millions and more of how many times this good news has been proclaimed in history and tonight just one more time in one more place and we pray that the gospel will have legs to run fast swiftly and reach the ends of the earth amen now imagine that the strongest man in the world comes to the mightiest ruler in the world The mighty ruler isn't the strongest man. And the strongest man doesn't have the most authority. One has authority and one has power or strength. Jesus has both. All the power and all the authority. And that what, that's what makes sinners that's what makes us feel uncomfortable uh, especially if you're unsaved you feel uncomfortable in the presence of Jesus and this is what the Jewish leaders the spiritual leaders felt like in the presence of Jesus and that's what we have I'm not going to reread the verses Luke 21 to 8 Kideon has read it for us so tonight we're going to look at just two points of the sermon, and then next week we'll look at some more. So the first is the message of Jesus, and that is in verse one, first part of verse 1. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel. So we're just going to look at that for now. So remember, for you who haven't followed the series in Luke, or maybe you've never read the story of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, this is the last week of Jesus' life before he, 
he gets crucified before they're going to murder him. And so in this, during the last week of Jesus' life, what does he do? He teaches the people. Look at the, the end of chapter 19, verse 40, uh, 47. And he was teaching daily in the temple. And now in verse 1, chapter 20, he's teaching the people. He's preaching the gospel. And so he keeps on going. Now that, if you don't know or if you didn't know, that's one of the main reasons, reasons Jesus came from heaven to earth. The main reason is to die on the cross or to live a perfect life in the place of sinners, to die for our sins and to rise from the dead to, to conquer death. But another main reason is to teach the gospel. In Luke 4, in verse 43 and 44, Jesus says to the disciples, let's go to the other towns also that I may preach there, for that is why I came. And then he goes to the places and he preaches the gospel. Why do we need teaching? Why did God come down as a man to teach people? It's because we're stupid. Sin makes us stupid. We are foolish. We are ignorant. That's why we need teaching. Can I read to you Ephesians 4? If you want to turn there, you can, but I'm there already. Verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, says Paul, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. Why? Because they're stupid. Because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. As, as people living in this world, we think we're very wise but we can't even solve our own emotional problems. We can't even solve our marriage problems. We can't even solve our, solve our relationship problems, not even to talk of world problems like war between Israel and Palestine, or the Gaza Strip, Hamas, or between Ukraine and Russia. So we need God's solutions to our problems. God's solutions to the world's problems. Uh, we, need, we need the Bible taught in our, to our children. We need the Bible taught in our schools. We need the Bible in our workplace. We need the Bible in government. We need the Bible in, on media and social media. We need God's teaching. We need, uh, we need more than God's morals. Because I'm not trying to say to you tonight, that merely by educating people from the Bible, that's going to solve the world's problems. It's not. It's probably going to make it worse because of the rebellion in man's heart. He will rise up against God's teaching. As Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, I was fine until I heard the law that says you shall not covet. Then all this kinds of coveting and jealousy and uh, greed started boiling up in my heart. So by merely teaching people, by merely educating people, you will never change society. Never. You can't change society that way, even if some governments think that you can. They say all we need to do is teach people about AIDS and how bad it is, and then they'll stop sleeping around. They won't. All we need to do is start educating them and telling them 
to use contraceptives, to use condoms, and then we won't have the problem of AIDS. You'll never solve the problem that way by merely educating. People in their sin are like animals. They've got a lustful drive, and they want to express that lust. And even by teaching them, biblical morality won't help. That in itself is not enough. People are in the chains of sin. People are slaves to sin. They've got evil hearts. People don't just need um, a, a better life. They need a new heart. They need to be transformed by the gospel because we're in the, in the bonds of Satan. We're slaves to the devil and to sin. And so we cannot do what we ought and neither do we want to. Jesus said in John 3, People hate the light. The world hates the light. They do not want to come to the light, even when Jesus calls them. Satan blinds people to the light and to the beauty and to the truth and the glory of Christ, says 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, in other words. I just paraphrased it. In Ephesians 2, Paul says, We are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are, we are following the devil like the rats of Hamlin following the Pied Piper, playing on his flute, and all the rats run after him into the canal, into the water, and they drown. And so we follow the devil actually because we want to, because we love our own desires, sinful desires. We love sin. I mean, why, why do you think most people tonight aren't in a church? Because it's boring. They can't see any beauty in it and any joy in it and any peace. They think that sin makes them happy. But they are, I don't know if darn is a bad word, but they are darn unhappy. They are unhappy. They say they're happy in sin, but it leaves them unhappy. They wake up in the morning, their lives are a mess, their consciences, it's killing them because of the things they've done in their lives. Paul says in Romans 8 verse 7 and 8 that the mind that is set on the sinful desire, on sinful nature, on the flesh, it's hostile to God. It's at enmity with God. It does not do what God wants. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are of, who set their minds of the flesh, those who are of the sinful desires cannot please God. They don't have the ability and they don't have the desire. It's because of man's evil and because of man's rebellion against God that we deserve eternal judgment and punishment, eternal death. Paul says in Romans 1 verse 32, these people know that those who do such things, those who practice such things, deserve to die. And yet, not only do they do those things, they encourage others to do the same. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Every one of us or most of us know what is wages, right? That's your payment. God pays you in death for what you have done. And you think maybe he won't do it? Ephesians 5 speaks of people who are sexually immoral and impure and people who chase their own lusts and people who are greedy. And it says, Paul says, I warn you. Do not be deceived. The anger of God comes upon such people. The wrath of God. And most people hear that 
And they will try and convince themselves, it's not true of me. Yes, I do those things, but the punishment of God and anger of God will not come on me. I will escape the judgment. Just talk to anyone who's done street evangelism. And not even street evangelism only. If you've evangelized anybody, shared the good news of Jesus with them, then they will, then uh, maybe Lawrence and Ebert, Jeanette and Timothy, you went out yesterday. And maybe you can give us an example of yesterday where perhaps you spoke to someone, because I get this every time I, I'm, every, any time I street evangelize, I hear this. We, are you going to heaven? Yes. You think you're a good person? Yes. And then you bring the law and you show them that they're bad people, they've broken God's law. And you still think you're going to heaven. Yes, God will forgive me. Yes, I will not. Still, they convince themselves they will escape the judgment of God. And there are many, many people tonight, as I speak, who are in hell now. They thought they'll never be there. They convinced themselves, I will never go there. And yet they're there tonight. And the Jews were like that. The Jews, especially the Jews, convinced themselves, we will escape God's judgment. God will not judge us. Why? I'm circumcised. We are the people of God. Abraham is our father. And they convinced themselves and Jesus came and he took the winds right out of their sails. Jesus sobered them by preaching repent and believe the gospel. He preached it to the people of God, the Jews. And Jesus spoke to the Jews. He spoke more about, about hell than anyone else in the Bible. What a sobering message. Jews and Gentiles, Jews and non-Jews, all of us here are non-Jews, I believe. <clears throat> we need the bad news before we will understand the good news. The good news does not make sense without the bad news. Let me give you an illustration, an example of this. So here's a man, we won't call him John, whatever you want to call him. Let's call him Mpo. So Mpo, you tell Mpo that if you drink these tablets, this is super medication, if you drink these tablets, you will get healed. And Mpo says to you, what are you talking about? I will get healed. I'm not even sick. So you see, the good news doesn't make sense. Why not? Because he doesn't understand the bad news. He has to go to the doctor and let the doctor show him with blood tests and with scans. You've only got seven days to live. You're going to die in a matter of days. That is very bad news. And then the doctor says, but I've got super medication. You drink these tablets, you will get healed. Now the good news is good news. Because he understands the bad news. And it's for that very same reason that God first gives us the bad news, the law, the Ten Commandments. We've broken that law, all of us, before we can understand the good news. So he first has to tell you, you have stolen, you have lied, you've committed adultery, you've blasphemed God's name. 
before you understand, oh, how can I be healed spiritually? How can I be saved? So I want to read to you in Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. So I'm there already. You need fast fingers. <laughs> Galatians 3, verse 23 and 24. <clears throat> Paul says, Now, before faith came, faith in Jesus, the gospel, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, or some translations, the law was our schoolmaster. The law is whipping you, saying, wrong, wrong, you broke the law, you sinned again. So the law whips you to drive you to Jesus, to say, help me, save me. Now, back in Luke, in verse 1, Jesus is teaching people in the temple. What is he teaching them? The gospel. What does gospel mean? Good news. Jesus is teaching them good news. You cannot be saved from God's judgment. You cannot be saved from your sin without the gospel, the good news. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. First to the Jew and then to the Greek. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in him unless they've heard this preaching of the gospel? And how can they hear if there's no one to preach? And how will they preach? unless they are sent. As it is written, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who preach the good news. And then skip a verse, and then the next verse says, So then, faith comes by hearing, and what do we hear? The word of Christ, the gospel, the good news. Now some people say, no, 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 you've got this all wrong. Jesus preached the gospel in verse 1, but that's not the same gospel we preached. And these people will tell you there are two gospels in the Bible. There's the gospel of the kingdom, and then there's the gospel of salvation or grace. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom to the Jews. He told them, the Jews, he said to them that I have brought the kingdom. It's here, and Israel will be the greatest nation in the world, and I've come to rule as your king. And then they murdered him. They rejected Jesus. And so now there's no kingdom for the Jews. And so now Jesus has sent out the apostles and he sent out the church now. And we preach a different gospel. We preach the gospel of salvation. We tell people that they must leave their sin and repent of their unbelief and repent of their evil and wickedness. And they must believe in Jesus and trust him who was crucified and buried and risen from the dead, and then God will forgive their sins and give them eternal life. That, my friend, is a false distinction. There is only one gospel. 
Paul said, if anyone else preaches a different gospel, let him be accursed. There's only one gospel, and that gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of salvation. We tell them about this great kingdom of Christ. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's coming again. And if you repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and place your trust in him, you will enter that kingdom. It's one gospel. Matthew 24, verse 14. This gospel of the kingdom must be preached as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. That's the gospel that will be preached to the end. Now Jesus, he starts his gospel preaching in verse 1. So Yosha, you said the gospel. I saw. What did Jesus teach them? The gospel. What did he say? Now you might say, I'm not quite sure what he said because he hadn't been crucified yet and he's still going to die and all of that. Well, I can definitely tell you, I'm quite sure about it, that Jesus started his gospel there by preaching the Old Testament. How do I know that? Why is Jesus in the temple? Why is he in Jerusalem? What's he doing? What's happening at that stage? Why are all the Jews there? It's Passover. What happened during Passover? What's it about? It's about the Israelites. Do you remember this? The Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And God came. He sent Moses. And then Moses came and said to the king of Egypt, God has said, you must let the Israelites go. Let my people go. And Pharaoh said, not a chance will I let them go. Who's this God of yours? And then God judges and punishes the Egyptians with ten plagues. You remember that? And then, eventually, the night before they leave Egypt, what does God say to them? Go into your houses. Yes, slaughter a lamb. Take the blood and paint it on the doorposts. And then the destroyer, who's going to kill the firstborn of the Egyptians, he will not kill your firstborn, but he will pass over the house. That's why we call it Passover. He will pass over you and not kill you. And then they leave Egypt and they're on their way to the promised land. I, I do not doubt that Jesus taught that in the temple because it's Passover. He's reminding them of that. But then he says to them, all of that is just a preview. It's not the movie. <laughs> all of that is not the real thing. That is just a preview of Jesus. That's a shadow. Jesus is the fullness. We are the slaves to sin. Everyone who sins, says Jesus in John 8.34, is a slave to sin. But if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus is greater than Moses. He's come to set us free from our sins. Jesus is the lamb who was slaughtered. It's his blood that covers us so that God's judgment passes over us, all those who repent of their sins and trust in the Savior, trust in the lamb of God. 
He's the Passover lamb, says 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7. Jesus leads us out of slavery. What's the Greek word for leading out, for going out? Exodus. Where do we read of Israel as slaves in Egypt? And in the book of Exodus. So Jesus brings the new Exodus. You read that in Luke 9.31, where Jesus speaks to Moses and Elijah on the mountain, and he speaks about his departure. What's the Greek word? Exodus. So he's the one who leads us out and now leads us to the promised land, leads us to heaven. All right. So secondly, yeah, I need to do secondly. I want to pause or stop perhaps, but I think I'll, I'll try and go on. I'm feeling a bit dizzy. Um, so secondly is the, the, the authorities' question. So these authorities, the Jewish spiritual leaders, they had a question that was a trap. And so in verse 1, at the end it says, The chief priests and scribes with the elders came up and said to him, and then they asked him, By what authority are you doing this? And now next week, God willing, I'll continue from verse 2 and, and do the rest. The authority of Jesus, it bothers people, especially if you're living in sin. You feel discomforted, you feel uncomfortable, uneasy. And they're uncomfortable, and now they're planning to, they have to get rid of Jesus. At the end of chapter 19, if you have an open Bible, verse 47, the people, uh, so these principal men or the scribes, they were seeking to destroy Jesus. They want to make an end to Jesus, but they can't do so openly. Why not? Why can't they just kill Jesus in, in public? What does verse 48 say at the end? 19 verse 48, chapter 19. People are hanging on Jesus' words. They love Jesus' teaching. So Jesus is popular. They believe him to be a prophet. Uh, John 7 verse 40. So now, oh, we need a plan. We need a plan. How are we going to get rid of Jesus? Um, got it. We're going to trap him. We're going to set a trap and catch him in his own words. And that's what the whole of chapter 20 is about. Paragraph after paragraph. I want to catch Jesus. And that's why they say in verse 2, tell us by what authority you're doing these things. If he says by human authority, then people won't like Jesus anymore. Oh, you're just talking out of your own mind. If he says by God's authority... Then the Jewish leaders, they got something against Jesus. Now, they wouldn't mind if Jesus was uh, the Jesus of Islam. Not that Islam existed at that time, but they wouldn't mind because that's just, a, okay, he's a prophet, but he's not really the son of God. They wouldn't mind if Jesus was just the Jesus of Buddhism. Oh, he's a wise teacher. Wouldn't mind if he's the Jesus of liberal theology. Well, yeah, he's a good man. Jesus was a good man. That's fine. They wouldn't even mind if he was the, the Jesus of the Jehovah's Witnesses because he's a God, small g, and okay, the Jews only have one God and they believe in one God, but hey, there's Psalm 82 where the judges of Israel, the court system, the judges and magistrates, they called gods, small g. Not that they're really gods, they represent God. 
and they think they're gods, they puff themselves up. What they cannot stand, these Jewish leaders, they cannot stand a Jesus who calls himself the Son of God or the Son of Man, because that's a divine title from Daniel 7. They cannot stand that Jesus. That Jesus must die. And to this day, people are like that. People hate this Jesus, the true Jesus. They oppose Him. They oppose the Bible. You just look at the liberal West. You just look at liberal politics. They hate the Bible. They hate the Jesus of Scripture. Why don't you ever hear in a movie, and I don't, I don't hope you watch movies where they blaspheme the name of your God and Savior, but why don't they ever in movies blaspheme the name of Muhammad? Why don't they ever in movies blaspheme Allah or blaspheme Buddha? Why do they blaspheme Jesus? Because they know he's the real deal. He's the real one. They hate him. And all of this opposition against Jesus, this rebellion against Jesus, it really comes from a discomfort. They are feeling the seat is getting hot. They are feeling uncomfortable and uneasy because of the authority of Jesus and his word. And you see it in verse 1. Jesus taught the people and he preached the gospel. And the Jewish leaders do not like this. People can deal with pictures of Jesus, a soft and gentle Jesus. They can accept that. Just don't give them the real Jesus who's got radical demands on your life and says, repent or perish. Don't give them the real Jesus who says, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Don't give them that Jesus. You can give them what we call in Afrikaans, liver Jesus. You can give them loving little Jesus. But don't give them the Jesus who says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Don't give them the Jesus who will come with the glory of his Father and with all his angels who will come in flaming fire, the Jesus who will sit on his glorious throne and judge the world. Don't give them that Jesus. Don't give them the Jesus who will cast the wicked into hell. Don't give them the Jesus who is King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus to whom every knee will bow and every tongue that is in heaven on earth and under the earth will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. They don't want that Jesus. That makes them uncomfortable. They want him dead. He must die. And I tell you, if Jesus were to walk this earth, if they could, they'd kill him again. What a surprise they'll get when that Jesus returns on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And they have to look into the eyes of the Almighty Son of God. Do not oppose the authority of Christ. 
And there might be individuals here tonight. You say, I don't oppose Jesus. What about your life? The way you live. And what Christ has told you in his word. And you just will not bow. Do not be foolish. Be wise. Be wise. Bow your knee before the word of your Lord. You call him Lord. Do what he says. Bow before him. Hide in Jesus. And be forgiven. Um, Psalm 2, verse 10 to 12. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun. Kiss the sun like you would kiss a king's feet or his ring in loyalty. Swear your loyalty to the king. Kiss the son of God, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in in him come and hide in Jesus by faith take Jesus by faith take his word by faith believe him are you already living under the authority of Jesus you're a Christian you've been born again are you living under his authority then please come and place yourself under his word as much as possible, the preaching of his word, like Jesus in verse 1. He taught them, he preached the gospel. Come under the preaching of the gospel. And then learn what Jesus demands of you, what he asks of you. Stay away from churches. Stay away from pastors. Stay away from sermons on YouTube where it's entertainment instead of preaching of God's word. One man said, pastors are called to feed the sheep, not to entertain the goats. So let every pastor, let every preacher in from this pulpit, and I'm thankful for the men in this church who preach, let every one of us feed God's sheep. Feed them the word, not junk food, not McDonald's drive through Feed them the word of God. And then people can learn about the authority of Christ and live under the authority of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray, O oh Lord, that you would teach us the way of obedience. Lead our feet in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake and to the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. O oh, help me, Lord. I know in this week I needed to learn to submit to Christ and not be anxious and afraid. And help all of us as your people. You know everyone's trial and temptation and difficulty. 
Help us, Lord, to bow the knee to Jesus, not in most areas of our lives, but in all areas of our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.